Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, the podcast that rotates between different themes each week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is You Did This To Us. Hello everybody, my name is Brett Stewart. Joining me, Nicole Davis, how are you? Uh, I hate you people. (laughs) (laughs) Not my co-hosts, but the ones who did this to us. This is, this is, yeah, this movie is, uh, this movie, but I mean, no, I, I, I don't mean that. I love you guys, but, uh, oh man, <laughs> why? <laughs> we'll definitely at the end of the podcast have to like break down where this lands in the hierarchy of really bad. You did this to us movies. Cause it's gotta be pretty high mull on that. <laughs> David Luzader. Mm. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. It's just, this was one of those movies where, it comes out and obviously like, I was like, well, I'm not going to see that, but I don't ever entertain like what circumstances would it take for me to have watched this? Like if you'd asked me beforehand, it'd be like, someone has to force me to see it somehow. Like I have to be strapped to a chair and I have to be made to watch it. And uh, that's pretty much what happened. So I just want our listening audience and voters to know that you essentially held me captive this week and I won't sign your contract. (laughs) Yeah, so you did this to us as an opportunity for you, the audience, to go ahead and vote on what we watch. Now, if you're listening to this, and we record quite a bit ahead of time, uh, we're already probably in the bag on whatever the most recent you did this to us poll was on the website. But if you go on over there, mgrpodcast.com, there's a big button there on the left side that tells you whether or not the You Did This To Us poll is open. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. So you have the opportunity to vote and add movies. Now, what we do is we take the four or five movies that were in like the two through six positions, uh, the very last poll, and we seed those into the next poll because they came close, but no cigar. Now, you also have the opportunity to add your own movies. So a lot of these, of course, are either seeded from previous polls or uh, user added or they're brand new. This one came out of nowhere and was brand new from a user. So whoever voted on this, I mean, touche. I mean, I'm surprised it didn't pop up sooner, to say the least. Before we introduce it, though, Nicole, next week is new to two. It's the beginning of a new cycle. And you are picking a movie that neither myself nor David have ever seen before. I am, and I wanted us to kind of swing to something funny after watching this um, film, quote unquote. <laughs> so I have chosen, I don't remember the year. I, I think it's 87 or 88. The Richard E. Grant, Paul McGann movie, With Nail and I. I've never heard of this. It is about two extremely poverty-stricken actors in England and what happens when they go on holiday by mistake. What is this again? You're going to hear some folly work as I Google this. With nail is all With one nail word. I. Well, I love me some Paul McGann because he is, of course, the the very underrated eighth doctor because all he had was a movie. So, alrighty, we'll check that out next week with Nail and I. This week, however, is Fifty Shades of Grey, when Anastasia Steele, a soon-to-be college student, meets young business magnate Christian Grey. Neither can deny their mutual attraction. But Anna is unsure if she can agree to Christian's unusual conditions for becoming a couple. 
Hold on, I gotta, I gotta cut in because I, I do have to correct Brett. You said soon to be college student, the soon to be college graduate. As creepy as the, as creepy as the movie is, it doesn't have that extra layer of her being a high school. <laughs> All righty, thank you for that. Though I, I did have a question right off the bat: Is she twenty-two years old, college grad, or is she master's grad? <sighs> Because it, it doesn't make it clear. She's an English lit major, so yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that it's just college, that it's yes. her BA. We, we, like, already, already we're getting into some of the stuff <laughs> that it's like, if you start questioning it, there, you see just how insane this movie is overall. Yeah. What is the timeline of this film? She moves to Seattle, yeah. but, then, but then graduates when she talks about moving to Seattle post-graduation. <laughs> what is her job? What does she do once she graduates? Because she is affording a nice apartment in Seattle. Uh, also, what does he do all day? He's like he's a he's a billionaire who can just do apparently at twenty seven. He's a billionaire can do whatever he wants, goes wherever he wants at any time. Seems to only take like a meeting a week and like a couple phone calls a day, and is somehow running a billion dollar empire. It's funny you mentioned several of these things because I had some of them in the docket and I had to delete them because I just knew we'd get to them naturally. And sure enough, three minutes in, here we are. <laughs> like, yeah, the apartment. They live in like fairly lavish apartments, these two girls. It's totally unclear what either of them are doing for work. One of them is a journalism major. And I think David and I can both speak to the fact that you don't rake in the bucks as a journalism major right but off the bat. Anastasia works in a hardware store. Didn't you get? Did yeah. you guys like both go to the bathroom during that scene? You know, no, sure. <laughs> no. But the, but then post, but then post college, because there's a part where they move oh. to Seattle. In which, by the way, if you're a journalism major and then like you're acting to pursue journalism, you don't then go move to Seattle and start working at for Seattle journalism. Like you go to like Podunk, middle of nowhere, and become a journalist and work your way up. That's how that racket goes. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah, you got to write about the cat in the tree for about 10 years and make $25,000 a year with no benefits. Yep. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the whole like he's a billionaire thing. I love how they write this. Mo- <sighs> the writing of this movie. There's scenes <laughs> where they try to show him as Mr. Businessman and he'll just be like on the phone and be like, you need to get those TP reports on my desk tomorrow. And he'll like yell into the camera. They. It's like they don't even know what he's supposed to be doing. He's scowled in business meetings for the yeah. most part. Yeah, this, this, the impression that I got is it's some kind of energy company? Telecommunications is the, is the most okay. we get. That dabbles in All agriculture. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. So this movie was based on the E.L. James novel. The screenplay was written by. Kelly Marcel, uh, whose other big screenplay previous was Saving Mr. Banks. So I'm not sure that they tapped. Hard left turn. The best person. I'm sitting here. I'm like, who would have been better for this? Who wrote, like, who wrote Out of Sight? And that's Scott Frank, who wrote Out of Sight and Malice, which is a, an erotic thriller, and Logan, 2017. So I'm just like, why, why didn't they get, you know... Someone in that vein who knows how to, who's had experience writing stuff with this sort of tension that's well, supposed to be in there. But you know, you know she, what? <sighs> she went on to write such films as Venom. Oh, 
and again a hard left turn yeah (laughs) what I mean, you know, some people can do that. Some people can write a whole host of different genres and and good for them. And some people can write them well. (laughs) Right. From what I understand, the screenwriter's hands were tied uh, Uh, somewhat because E.L. James did retain some control over the script. And, you know, we're going to be doing a lot of dumping on this movie. But I got to say, you know, she's just laughing all the way to the bank. Oh, yeah. Um, For what (laughs) E.L. James did to have made the money that she has, like, it's hard to deny there's a little bit of jealousy there. Like, I wish that I could have stumbled into such such (laughs) money-making machines. Like, good good for her for what she's been able to, to achieve. Also, shame on her for what she has put into the world. Both of those things exist simultaneously. <laughs> so let's break that down then from the beginning. You know, let's address the twilight elephant in the room, as you say, David. This was originally, I mean, a lot of people already know this, but originally twilight fan fiction ended up evolving mostly because of copyright issues. <laughs> yeah, Anastasia was it was Bella and Edward. Those were the the names. It's it's written as, and I hate that I'm going to expose that I know anything about the fan fiction world, but it's what's called a U. So alternate universe is the technical name for it. I know there's someone out there who would have gotten mad at us if if I if we didn't get this right. Uh, so it's like it's these characters, but in a different world. So that's why they're both still terrible people. And then as it picked up its its fame, yes, you're correct. She had to start changing names in order to avoid lawsuits and now here we are i mean i gotta say this does were they vampires in the original cut i mean not the original cut like uh, the movie was never but happened oh i don't know i, I just go that far <laughs> or, I, I guess it was edward a vampire i mean i don't know interesting i yeah i gotta say this does the vibe did kind of remind me of the twilight movie you know uh, the original one anyway just unhealthy relationship dynamics <laughs> yeah the the bumbling girl who doesn't really have a personality. Yeah, uh, she literally who, trips when she yeah. first meets him. She literally trips and falls at his feet. Who is also then wanted by every male that comes in contact yeah. with her. She is a, an object of desire. More so because of extra creepy reasons we learn, apparently. Because of her virginity, which uh, <laughs> not not her being a virgin. I mean, the way that that gets reacted to in the movie makes me go Bleh. right. And then he is a sociopath who's like, "I don't want you. Come here. I don't want you. Come here." Very what? much as as Edward constantly does to her. And uh, didn't we watch Twilight because of you did this to us as well? Yep. Yes, yeah. we did. This one person out there has has a very specific goal. <laughs> Oh my god, that'd be yeah. so good if it was the same person. Although yeah. I gotta say, Twilight, bad as it is, better written. Oh, for sure. This this movie is um, not as good. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> such a low writing, bar already. I can actually read the Twilight books. I will turn every page going, why is this so bad? But I can read it. You know, <laughs> I read just excerpts from 50 shades of gray and digging into the back of this movie. And um, it is, it's uh, execrable is the word that comes to mind (laughs) in terms of the writing quality. Well, apparently to fill in a little bit of the back story here, it was originally titled master of the universe. And 
her pen name at that time was Snow Queen's Ice Dragon, which she should have kept. Yes, I'd forgotten about that. I forgot it was Snow, Snow Queen's Ice, Ice Dragon, Dragon has a good ring to it. Uh, yeah, it does. And uh, I also just want to throw out there that that book, the the first book, because they ended up breaking it into three parts, which became three movies, has sold. And it, it's a it's a she's a British author. She has sold more copies of Fifty Shades of Grey in the UK than have sold of Harry Potter in the UK. Wow. That's that, that is insane. <laughs> it should be illegal. I feel like that's bad. <laughs> that's bad. Yeah. Now, now the other thing I wanted to mention here is, is the other, the other thing about twilight, the movie anyway, was that it was bearable to watch in the sense that uh-huh. this movie, how for a movie that's supposed to be super sexy and super fun and 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 adventurous how is it so boring and how is it so long it just keeps going they took out a lot of the sex uh but kept it but kept it everything else yeah they kept in the the parts that people usually skim over when they read the book you know yeah i (laughs) i was watching this in between doing some other stuff. And so I'd have to like constantly kind of like pause the movie. I'd watch, you know, five or 10 minutes and I'd have to pause it and do something. And it, it took me all day and it felt like I would just get to the point where I was like, how is there any time left? How do I have 40 minutes left in this movie? The amount that I've watched, (laughs) nothing has happened so far. And yet it's just been going on forever. I don't understand how there was still time left in this film. There was no plot to flesh out somehow they've made this entire movie about will she or won't she sign this contract oh that's and that's and that's by by the way i so i have not read these books uh except for some excerpts as nicole has and they're they're horribly written but i think out of morbid curiosity i did read like the the wikipedia summations at some point and uh from what my understanding is she never signs that contract that is a thing that comes up through the rest of the series I would like to bite that lip. I think I'd like that, too. I'm not going to touch you. Not until I have your written consent. What? I'll explain later. Come on, take you home. Oh, God. Great. But that's the weird thing. Is like, I've seen trailers for the other two, and apparently, like, they're driving cars off cliffs, and there's guns, and, like, it becomes, like, an action thriller at some point. (laughs) I don't know if that's true isn't it <laughs> i, I think they, don't know i think they did that so the boyfriends would be like sure i'll go see it there's gonna be guns in it and then no <laughs> it gets like it gets like thrillery like toward the third one i believe uh, uh i don't know i haven't until now so i do have to say though one of the funniest discussion topics in our docket from nicole because i was reading this as i was watching the movie and just laughed my ass off at the prospect of it, which is how much creepier would this movie seem if Christian Grey couldn't give expensive gifts and romantic experiences? And now I'm just thinking about this movie where Christian Grey isn't rich. And you're right. It's so much creepier. It's it's a different... I mean, I still think it's pretty creepy, the stuff he does, where it's like... Oh, All yeah, right. 100%. Especially the thing that you mentioned. <laughs> yeah where uh which i'll get to that in a second but just like even like the the aviation stuff it's like okay now you're trapped with me your life is entirely within my hands 
because I'm rich and can afford this. But if it was just, yeah, some guy who just kept showing up trying to get her to sign a contract. <laughs> but the, the real egregious one is when he gives her a new car and uh, yeah. it's like, here's the keys. And she's like, where's my car? And he's like, I'm having somebody sell it, which, by the way, is illegal because she would have to sign that over. So they're fencing that car, I guess. <laughs> We're yep. illegally selling a VW Bug on the black market. You can get good money for a VW Bug. You can. Yeah, that was a, it was a good shape too. I yeah. just love how all of his surprise surprises to her are just dangerous aviation adventures. Like, <laughs> come up in my helicopter. Pers- I, I would not personally be jazzed for either of those experiences. He's really taking a leap of faith. No, that really took me aback when he's going to take her on their date and she goes up to the, you know, takes her up to the roof of the building and there's a helicopter when he has not asked her if she's afraid of heights, has not asked her if she's ever been on a helicopter. Doesn't uh, offer doesn't her drama wants to get on the helicopter. Um, oh. <laughs> he's that just requ- like, yeah, you're coming. Let's go. That would require him to recognize her as a human being. I was just about to say, yes, that would require him to care about her feelings at any point in this movie. Yeah. That's an on and off thing through the movie and that's uh, we'll get to that that's one of the extremely frustrating parts of this movie is sometimes he treats her like she has agency and needs to consent to things and sometimes he just steamrolls right over and which is weird for a guy that has no personality uh (sighs) <laughs> you know, you threw in our docket, yeah. Nicole. Does he have a personality? He is no. a, a total blank canvas. Of he which, likes control. He likes control. And like, right. even like, uh, the only, okay, so he, this is supposed to be the Delsecki's most interesting man in the world. He like plays piano. He flies planes and helicopters. He's a billionaire at 27. He's super cool and interesting and has 40 different cars. Except you know nothing about this guy. And... Like, there's no backstory as to why he's so interesting. Like, the only story we ever get to to ba- base him in reality is that he is delusional and doesn't understand that a, a, a grown woman essentially raped him as a child, and he idolizes her for it. And yeah. It's such a weird part of the movie. That's the only part of development we get from him as a character. How did you start doing this? One of my mother's friends. I was 15. She seduced you? I was her submissive for six years. Seriously? Does your mother know that? Of course not. No one in my family knows about this part of me. So she introduced you to all this? Mrs. Robinson? Mrs. Robinson. I'll tell her you said that. She'll love it. You still talk to her? On occasion, we're friends. Yeah, she does. It's age of consent in Washington State is sixteen. They began their relationship when he was fifteen. So one yeah. of his mother's friends, and so. and she comes up more through the the story as well as it continues, and it uh, eventually she Never does appear. I think I think she appears on screen later. Um, not in the. Oh, I'm not talking about just in this movie. I'm talking about like oh. later on, like in the story, and it eventually like, eventually comes to him, like him being freed of these desires. And I don't think he ever actually goes to therapy, which is probably the 
the big problem. But that would be uh, the smart thing, dude. That, yeah. that would be the smart thing. <laughs> well, but the, the it, I, I know, like, we're okay. Obviously, we try to do our best to be a family friendly podcast around here as much as we can. There are certain subjects that are impossible to avoid with this movie, uh, such as kink, because that's like kind of the whole point is he's a dominant and he wants her to be his submissive and do whatever he says and sign this contract where he basically runs her life. And as the, the plot develops further on this movie or the story, I should say of the 50 shades series really equates kink and trauma as being like hand in hand, being like two parts of the same thing. And it's really irresponsible mildly you know that's like this one part of this that is mildly irresponsible and i'm joking when i say mildly it's extremely irresponsible a lot of yeah i had a i had a note on here i'm like ah yes every dom has a secret reason that they want to hurt people that has to do with their traumatic backstories yeah. and that is not the case you know yeah. as with every walk of life there yeah there's there are some doms who do have past trauma and that's linked to what they're doing but the this movie because it only has one example and doesn't really talk about kink as a whole there are plenty of emotionally healthy people who engage in bdsm play and Mm -hmm. there is no attempt to address that in this movie you know he tells her to do research and uh, <laughs> oh, yes. he sees one photo and slaps her laptop closed. And that's all the research that she does. This movie clearly has not done a lot of research. The people, the actors didn't do any research. You know, I, Dakota Johnson deliberately didn't because she wanted to be like her character where this is all new to her and it's all being revealed as it goes along. And uh, Jamie Dornan apparently just paid enough attention only to learn how to tie the knots properly in the ropes and then just discarded the rest of what their consultant taught him or tried to. That poor poor consultant. At least they probably got an easy paycheck. Uh, But I I, want to talk about that that research scene because (sighs) it's, it's one of those great movie research scenes where she Googles the word submissive and it immediately pops up with pictures and she just looks at two of them and is like, no, like if you were to Google submissive, you, those are not the things that you would get, which is like people in extreme bindings and you're not going to get the most extreme stuff kind of right off the bat. I just, I think it's hilarious when movies do that where I'm going to Google something really vague and it's going to give me very specific things. I'm surprised we didn't get like a Twilight-esque when she was Googling vampires. <laughs> Right, get like a montage yeah. of her looking up terms or Catwoman. Uh, yes, <laughs> she's looking up like cats and women. <laughs> yes, <laughs> weirdly, not the first time I've thought about Catwoman while looking at my notes for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I think you guys do it the nail on the head. Like the movie's irresponsible for that, and, and I, I want to just briefly expand. So many more reasons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. I I also want to briefly expand upon like like my comment about this older woman that he's seeing when he's fifteen. The reason I think this movie's so irresponsible that is just like for a myriad of reasons is just they have his character is deluded in a really unhealthy way and they don't explore that at all. Even though Anna realizes that, like, there's a moment where I'm like, oh, are we going to actually have like character development? Because she says to him, like, no, you were sexually assaulted as a child. I broke rule seven, clause five. 
We'll let it go. Let's not talk about the contract right now. How was your dinner? She's a friend. That's all. She's a child abuser. I confide in her. She knows me. And he, he's like, nope. And then there's yeah. nothing. It, and there's yes, absolutely nope, nothing. It's not like that. We're friends. Yeah. Right. He, yeah. She, she like gets to the point of like, Hey, that was wrong. And he's like, no, it wasn't. And that was the conversation. Right. That and like, and I think that's so irresponsible because this movie basically, as you guys already said, like, like it equates what he's interested in it with this horrible trauma that, that he has that's deep seated from this relationship. And it's just, it's so wrong. And other traumas. He's got yeah. mysterious scars that oh, they right, don't right. talk much about. Yeah. Oh, it, and also like a way you can tell he's, this is really unhealthy for him uh, is because like he, you know, say like, no, I want women to want me to do this to them. He doesn't ever, ever say that he cares about their pleasure. And also when asked how many women have lived in this room, he says 15, assuming he has had that place since he was 18 let's say like he's he's had that insane apartment since he became like a billionaire at 18 probably not that early but let's give him a nine-year gap here that is more than two women a year you can't because he was with the older woman for six years i don't know why i remember this oh right as her sub so we have to condense this timeline (laughs) you're right so it's been oh oh so it's six so six years in six years 15 women have lived in that room and presumably signed contracts and oh it somehow got worse it all got worse (laughs) yeah oh some of them probably you know you got to average it out some of them probably only lasted about a week yeah just like nope nope this isn't for me (laughs) i thought it was but it's not you know end of story and that would actually that that would be healthier like women who signed on and tried it for a couple of weeks. And I was like, you know what? No, men, they both say goodbye amicably and that's the end of it. But yeah, there's this whole, you know, what, what happened with those women? I, I'd yeah. like to know. <laughs> are they still alive? Where are they? I mean, he does because it, it's more <laughs> like he takes it to an extreme where he's so obsessive that like, he's so angry when he finds out that she's going to Georgia to see her mother and follows her there and it it might be one of the most uncomfortable scenes in the movie to me is when he just shows up there and and also like okay we're back down the rabbit hole of things that are totally irresponsible and not okay <laughs> partners or men in particular monitoring women's drinking habits is just so controlling and creepy mm-hmm. and the fact that they introduce him in Georgia by him somewhere yeah, he's somewhere stalking her. The text message. He's like, ooh, another yeah. Cosmo this early in the morning. Like, just like nagging her. Like, <laughs> and then she, and then he just shows up. And it's, just, it's. Holy f- What? What is it? It's Christian. He's here. Um, in Georgia. Oh, here. Mrs. Adams, delighted to meet you. Something to drink, sir? Gin and tonic. Hendrix, if you have it. Otherwise, Bombay Sapphire. Cucumber with the Hendrix. Lime with the Bombay. I like him already. What are you doing here, Christian? I came to see you. I don't find anything redeemable about his character, and I don't find any reason that 15 women would want to live in his 
dungeon. I just don't get it. Like, he's not a fascinating or endearing character. No, not at all. And there were several actors that passed on the role when this was all coming up, uh, like Ryan Gosling. So I was not interested in it. That uh, was apparently it was originally planned for him. Uh, Garrett Hedlund said that he couldn't connect with the character. My favorite is Stephen Amell, who was um, Oliver Queen in Arrow. And I, I'm a big Stephen Amell fan. He seems like a really great guy. You know, obviously I don't know him, but just kind of the persona that I see seems like a really great guy. And he uh, was interested and in, you know, had kind of talked about it. And then he picked up the book, I think on an airport and read through a lot of it on a flight. And then as soon as he landed, was like, nope, I'm uh, n- nothing about Christian Grey really spoke to me was yeah. his quote. But just decided. And then no wasn't Charlie Hunnam actually cast and spent like a week and then was like, nope. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, yeah, he was originally considered, but then backed out, but then reconsidered. And then eventually was like, no, I'm good. Yeah, I suspect that wavering was just like, you know, this movie's probably not going to be good, but it's going to be huge. Yeah. <laughs> Would this be good for my career? Would this and, be a good idea? And, and they yeah. all the men were just like, you know what? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's different from like the, because Robert Pattinson knew Twilight's not good, but Twilight's going to be great for my career. Like he was aware of that. And and it, I, absolutely it was. was. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I don't know if, but I think part of the advantage for him is that he was so, so much younger or was, you know, was playing like a high school age. Like he was a young guy. I just hope Jamie Dornan, you know, sorry, bud. I don't have anything for you. (laughs) Yeah. I was just looking up. The only other thing he's really been into any significant degree is apparently he co-stars in that show, the fall that was on for three seasons with um, Gillian Anderson. But other than that, like Dakota Johnson has, been fairly successful in moving on beyond this he has not yeah yo yeah dakota johnson's a great actor she is so much better than this movie she i read some of the reviews and while hilarious um (sighs) some of them some of them are critical of her acting and i think she actually does a good job with what she has Mm -hmm. i think she's doing a good job she's emoting she seems like a real person, whereas nobody else does. Yeah, she tries. I, I think it's a little unfair to knock any acting in this movie when the root, I mean, you it's horrifically written. There's no other way to put it. And yeah, oh yeah. I think both of them are fine with what they do with it. I mean, they tried. I guess. Yes. <laughs> it's like it's like last night. Last night, I just happened to be watching Phantom Menace. By the way, a movie I would watch <laughs> over this one 10 million times. Uh, and you have got great actors in that movie. You have Natalie Portman. You have Liam Neeson. You have Ewan McGregor. And, you know, some Academy Award nominated and winning actors and, and some of the dialogue and ways they're directed in that movie, you would think they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. That's just writing, bad writing and bad directing, no matter how good of an actor you are. When even if you give a great performance, the director comes in and is like, uh, now um, let's try that with less emotion in the voice. And it's like, okay, well, I guess that's what I got to do because that's what the director wants. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that I would blame the director that hard for this movie because <laughs> I'm 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 putting the the great majority of this on the writing. You know, this is a beautifully shot movie. 
it's gorgeous to look at. It's supposed to look sumptuous and luxurious. The vast it's majority so gray. of the time. And it does. But, you know, it's the director is trying to make the sex scenes look erotic, focusing on certain things that if the two leads had chemistry together might work and be hot. No. They don't. No. <sighs> David, I can't remember what movie it was that we talked about earlier where you said it was sexual but not sexy because of the lack of chemistry. What they're... I don't know. Hey, everybody. Nicole jumping in here just to remind myself that it was Patrick Walsh of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay, who said that in our Catwoman episode. Thanks. Back to David. There's nothing about their relationship that that, that we're able to hold on to and seems real. She wants him. Why? Because she can fix him. Yeah, so let's. She's damaged and broody, and all women love that, right? So, or so we are led to leave. <laughs> and it never. Okay, so so I understand that they, they already had the three books when the movie came out, so they knew they were going to make three movies. They had to have known this would be a box office smash because I I do remember when this came out, it was big news oh, yeah. because it was like the farthest a movie had taken this sort of thing. In pop culture, in the mainstream, you could go and see this at an R. It was just rated R. So I remember this being a really big deal. It came out on Valentine's Day as well, right? I think all three of them did. <laughs> yeah. Weird Valentine's Day choice. Um, but yeah. <laughs> this became like a cultural phenomenon. And this movie ends. I guess we can just, because we're going to talk about all the other stuff in a little bit too. It just ends. It just, it just ends. It's just like they forgot to write an ending. <laughs> there's no resolution. And I understand, even if you're writing a cliffhanger for a second movie, there's got to be there be something. And it just, I, I actually checked to make sure like the movie was actually over because I just couldn't believe that this is how it ended. It's literally just her getting in an elevator, which seems like transitional to another scene. There's nothing. And it's all based in that like, I can fix him. I can convince her unhealthy relationship dynamic we've talked about. It's just not an ending like this. How can you, how can you spend two hours on this story and not end it? Uh huh. I can't. Well, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, the next movie pretty much right away, uh, they run into one another and Christian is like, I want, I want you back. And she's like, great, let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) <sighs> nice. The, the reason the reason that they break up too is okay. We just got to stop. We got to talk about this stupid scene um, because it's another it's another thing with his desires. Uh, that's just the only way that I can talk about it. Where she's like, I still don't get all of this, though. Like I'm agreeing to it and letting you do these things to me, and he's like. I can't show you what I really want to do to you. So she's like, show me. And then he spanks her six times. With a belt. Yeah, kind of hard. Really and, hard. <laughs> and she's like, you're a monster and leaves. And After uh, she specifically asks him, show me yes. the worst. And never in which, okay, never mind. I don't want to have to say anything. Brett's going to have to cut out. Um, uh, and, <laughs> and by the way, she is given safe words. She's told two different safe words that are, hey, we're reaching my limits or we need to stop right now. Agrees to both of them, never uses them, and then storms off really mad. Does she agree to them? She never signs the contract. They discuss it 
they do some of the stuff talked about in the contract, but she never explicitly agrees to it. She's just like, "Mm -hmm," and goes along with some of it, but she's not clearly giving her consent. Although he is sometimes, you know, this is my biggest problem with (laughs) and where it's really irresponsible is that they get some things right about BDSM. Not many, but some, some of the time, some of the time he asks her specifically, he's like, I'm going to do this. Do you agree to me doing this? And waits until she says yes, before he does anything. Uh, Sometimes he'll say, you know, he reiterates the safe words. You know, he, he's like, here, I'm going to do X to you. Are you ready? You know, kind of thing. I want you to count with me. Or he gets her until the last scene. uh, He gets her completely aroused before he starts introducing any pain elements into their play. And all these things are good things to do. These are all good things. But there are so many bad things there's 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 cable ties there's <laughs> no just no just no when they no. run into each other at the at the hardware store it's like i'm buying cable ties tape and rope it's like are you a serial killer and he doesn't really say no he just like <laughs> i think he's like something like well not today and like jokes about it and it's like why would you ever want to be near this man again rope Tape, cable ties. You're the complete serial killer. Not today. Anything else? What would you recommend? Or a do-it-yourselfer. Um, maybe coveralls, so you protect your clothes. Could just take all my clothes off. Okay. Also amend when they run into each other to when he stalks her to her place of work. <laughs> but yes... Yes. Yeah, and I bet, it, the number one thing, though, that drives me crazy, and I don't know if I'm going to need to explain this or anything, but there is no aftercare in this. Mm-hmm. In BDSM play, when the sub is put through, you know, they call it a scene. Usually, when they're when they go through this this play, they've dominant does what they want, and the submissive receives it, and then they're done the submissive can go into like an altered state of consciousness through what they're doing. It's similar to a runner's high. It's, Oh hell, I wrote this down. Adrenaline, just adrenaline Uh, is pumping. Yeah. The adrenaline's going, the endorphins are going, they go into a state that's called uh, transient hypofrontality and psychology speak. There's a floaty sensation. There's the sort of a dreamy state that they can enter. And so Afterward, there can be an emotional reaction to that. There can be an emotional surge, an emotional crash. Uh, There can be tears. There can be the hypersensitivity to touch. There can be, there's a potential for, for extreme emotional reactions to it. And the fact that Christian puts her through these things and then leaves is the worst. He is worst top ever, officially. That's incredibly bad and awful and irresponsible to show that and as part of a you know quote-unquote normal bdsm relationship 
So there's the extra layer of additional emotional abuse and the extra layer of added emotional yes. abuse. Right. <laughs> there's the emotional abuse outside of the BDSM play and there's the emotional abuse inside the BDSM play. He's just emotionally abusive at every turn. Every chance he gets. Right. That's my biggest problem with the movie is that, is that he just... I mean, I have many problems with this movie. <laughs> as, as soon as I said that, I'm like, is it the biggest problem? <laughs> can, I, can I grade these? Uh, but it, it oversteps into this emotional abuse in such a toxic way where he is... I mean... I would assume that 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 I, I'm I guess what I'm trying to delve into here is like the things like where he stalks her to Georgia or he's like she has no agency just in in any part of her life period seems excessive to me like any part of her life he controls her and he takes that very seriously and she's kind of cool with it because she thinks she can fix it and she's isolated she signs an nda so she can't talk to anybody she can't talk to her friend about their relationship she can't check in with a therapist about her relationship and say you know this is what's going on is this is this normal this feels weird to me she doesn't have anybody she can work this through with i was gonna say and she's like happy to, to agree to that she was happy to say, like, I would never talk about a relationship with anybody. Sure. Just like, sign that NDA. Basically sight on scene. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. I mean, she's pushing boundaries, too, in their agreement that they don't officially have, but kind of have. And and doing stuff to... Uh, it's just... It's, she's not nearly as bad as he is, but she's not drawing clear boundaries. She's violating his boundaries. And she's clearly, like I said, not done her research that she absolutely should have done and should still be doing as this relationship goes on. So, which is kind of weird because, like, the best scene in the movie is where they're negotiating explicitly. Miss Steele, hmm? your meeting. Uh, turn to page five, appendix three, soft limits. With you. Find anal f***ing. I'm all ears. Strike it out. Strike out vaginal f***ing too. Be sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a really good point. You mentioned the NDA. I didn't think about that as part of that because it is just emotionally putting her on an island. And that in itself is major red flag. <laughs> yeah, really messed up along with the rest of this movie. I just, I just want to be mad at Danny Elfman for a moment. <laughs> I'm going to take a hard right turn here. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm watching this movie in the opening credits, and it says Danny Elfman score. You know, music by Danny Elfman. I'm like, wait, what? And I like have to double take, and I have to like look it up online to make sure I didn't get a bootleg copy of this off Amazon. Sure enough, it is Danny Elfman. Um, why? And shame on him. This is like, he scores this like it's Inception light. Nothing about this score that is appropriate for what's happening on screen. I just don't think so. Or is it? <laughs> I mean, here's how it happened. Hey, Danny Elfman, want a couple million dollars? Sure. Okay. <laughs> score this movie. 
okay. And <laughs> scene. And this movie does one thing that infuriates me in in soundtracks. And they made the soundtrack to this movie such an important part of the marketing of it, like in an extreme way, right? Like it was the whole weekend song. like a crazy ride now like that song like that one became like the the thing right like they sold the records and that was selling out on itunes or or it was at the top of the charts beyonce made some more money (laughs) right right So like they they made the music so central to it in its marketing, but then they also did it in the actual movie. So like nothing is more to me taking me out of a movie than constant pop songs thrown at me. <laughs> and it'll do that where like instead of a transition and something where Danny Elfman should have been able to apparently do his job, just Beyonce cuts in. And I'm like, no, <laughs> this is not an MTV music video. This is a movie. And like there are places for good soundtrack songs and movies. And I think this movie walks all over that and does a terrible job with it. Well, it's because they're trying to play this like a regular romance movie, right? They're trying to to play like the pop song, but, you know, maybe like a little bit slower and a different key to like a special version of it. Uh, but they're like trying to play up like this is romantic. Their relationship yeah. really like it's got problems, but it's re- they really love each other and it's really romantic. You want them to end up together, don't you? And I don't care about them at all. There's nothing to yeah. care about. Yeah. And I mean, he keeps insisting that he's not a romantic person, and yet he keeps making these romantic gestures. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I don't do the, I don't do the boyfriend thing. But it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to wow you with this helicopter. I'm going to take you on this uh, terrifying glider expedition. Okay. I will <laughs> even agree to go on one date a week with you. It's like, I don't want a relationship, but I will start putting in efforts. I will dance with you to Frank Sinatra songs in my right. penthouse apartment. Right. It, but I won't sleep with you. I don't sleep with other people. Except that he does. Like, yeah. almost yeah. immediately. Several times. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, that's also, like, the other really toxic thing to me about this movie. is like, is like he, he convinces her so early on that she is different and unique from all 15 prior women he had done this to. And how do we know that that's true? And that he didn't just say that to all of them? She's different because she's a virgin, Brett. <sighs> which makes him even lustier for her it was so gross when he found that out oh it's the grossest part of the yeah, movie you can the see he, this is yeah. this is like the best acting that he does in the movie it's like somehow yeah. he ups the broody intensity in his eyes and he's just like oh, you are Ooh, he's like I've I been waiting I've been waiting for you <laughs> oh. 
So the whole world of this movie is centered around these two people, but there's no memorable side characters. There's no B plot. There's just two hours of these two. <laughs> it, this is this is what I, when I said I, Catwoman was. This wasn't the first time that I thought about Catwoman, where like <laughs> as bad as Catwoman is, like we at least can remember her friend that ends up with the doctor at the end. Like there was kind of a right. B plot going on there. I thought about Moonstruck. Uh, which had the whole side story of Cher's parents and the troubles of their marriage. Like even in other quote unquote, like romance, which I'm not saying Catwoman's a romance, but yeah, whatever. Uh, (laughs) Like, uh, you know, romance movies, there's still like other people on the periphery that like we get to know a little bit or like they're, they have their own struggles and we see them with somebody at the end of the movie. Oh, cheesy little love. I couldn't tell you, the name of any other character from this movie or could i tell you what any of them wanted except for the one guy that tried to kiss her in the bar one i think i remember well his name. i mean <laughs> I, about like the roommate kinda yeah kinda roommate a little bit like i would i would have been interested to see uh something more with the roommate and christian gray's apparently normal surfer dude brother uh <laughs> right somehow that kid's not you know somehow he's not broody and traumatized we don't know why who knows because, who because knows? we never get to know either of them we don't get who else is there in this movie not many right like a photographer friend who's yeah. not actually gay which was a surprise um there's the the driver the driver yes the dri- Ta- taylor I believe Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, it's the only one I know. Max Martini is yeah. the actor that that plays him. Yeah, and he's doing such a good job that like he's actually kind of interesting. I'm like, oh, who's this guy? What's he about? <laughs> Even though he's on screen for like three minutes. Yeah, and, and he's far more intriguing. Like we even see both of their parents. Yes. Yeah. Like we see both both parents, which you think in any well written movie would le- would lend insight into the kind of people they are. And it just doesn't. Like, the most they give you is, oh, yeah, my mom's been married five times. She's a hopeless romantic, too, I guess. Like, that's that's it. Which is a red flag. Which is a red flag in their conversation. <laughs> right. uh, but, yeah, you think, like, you'd get, you see her, her original stepfather, who essentially raised her. And then you meet her mom. And then you meet both Christian Grey's parents. And... At least you kind of see there that obviously he was born into significant wealth, which probably explains why he's a 28-year-old billionaire. Um, yes. But that's it. You don't really get anything. In fact, his parents like seem fairly well ad- well adjusted for rich people, I guess. I'm like, There's nothing like weird about his parents, which you would kind of expect there to be something. Did it come up in this movie that he was adopted? Yes. They did say yeah. they throw that away in this movie yeah. immediately near the end. Yeah, he was. Yeah, because there's a scene where like he's like, I'm going to open up to you and have a meaningful dialogue. And he sits down and tells her about how he was adopted and that his that his mom um, was a crack addict and gave him up at birth. And he tells this to her while she is asleep. So right. there can be no dialogue back. Yeah, it's yeah, And that that's. See, that wasn't like a, a moment of growth sometime later. It is there at the dinner. He's upset with her. And then uh, he's like, I don't open up. It's not what I do. Then immediately smash cut to him <laughs> sitting down and telling her these things. So there's no growth. There's no development there. The idea is supposed to be like, oh, he really secretly cares for her too. But it doesn't, it doesn't work. 
doesn't feel earned in any sort of way. Yeah. And it's supposed to be poking at the, you know, oh, oh, he had a, he had a sad background. We should feel bad for him. We should empathize with him because of, because of this. What if I told you that I feel the same way about being punished as you do about me touching you? Would you still want to punish me then? No. But that doesn't mean I wouldn't need to. Why? Why do you need to? Because it's the way I am! Because I'm 50 shades of f***. Oh, yes, that line. And that, uh, and it's just like, what, what, what? No, 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 no. You don't get to spend this whole movie, you know, trying to negotiate a BDSM relationship and then point out how effed up the dominant is. Oh, now, now you think it's too inextricably. Right. And Nicole, you mentioned our docket. It's like, oh, now we know why he's into this. (laughs) (laughs) You also mentioned our docket. Like, we don't even see that scene with like his mentor slash statutory rapist like he goes and sees her the first night that that anna's in georgia and we don't get that scene why yeah he just immediately gets on a plane and goes to her because he cares about her but presumably still had the dinner because he's not there until the next morning Sure. I, yeah, I mean that's something that would have been nice. We have scenes of Anna without Christian. Why can't we have a more fleshed out scene with Christian without Anna? Yeah, if they had showed us, and like not to say it would have justified anything in this movie, but if they had showed yeah. him with her and showed that he's still kind of like powerless around her, like there's something about her that still like affects him, that at least would have given us something about his character. Instead. Yeah all we get is i like being in control there's a woman i shouldn't speak to anymore but i do i love you no i don't come back get away from me right that's the movie that's his that's his arc in the story i spent so long after watching this movie just being like seething (laughs) as you should because this movie is so bad and so irresponsible and <laughs> so bad. <laughs> now, now I did initially believe, because it had been a rumor for a really long time, that these two leads just don't like each other, which could partly lead to the fact that there's just not a lot of chemistry. Um, they've since dispensed with that rumor and almost tried too hard to prove that it's not the case. They're like, oh, no, we don't hate each other. Look how much we love each other. So I almost feel like they do hate each other. And now and now they like it got outed and they have to like lean into the fact that they don't hate each other. And the studio's like, no, no, fix it. Fix it. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Like Make nice. I mean, that would make sense for their lack of chemistry. But they have... I don't, They have like a really creepy friendship where like he's like framed sexual props from the movie and given them to her as like gifts and like I don't know. That is I don't know. (laughs) I I mean chemistry chemistry is hard enough and it's even harder when you are for hours naked in front of a lot of other people simulating sex acts like the sex scenes take a, it's a lot longer to film than they do to show. And mm-hmm. if, who knows which take that, you know, probably they're probably on take 25 by the time that's the one that gets put in the movie. Like, yeah, 
you're not going to feel that chemistry anymore either. You're going to be bored and tired and you're going to be sore from being in positions you normally wouldn't be in for that long. And I'm, I'm sure both of them felt weird and creepy about it. It just, no one was walking away from this clean. No, no. Yeah, I mean, there are movies where people who are real life couples are in it together and do- they don't have on-screen chemistry somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a tough thing to capture. It's a tough thing to sustain exactly. to generate to sustain whether or not the leads actually like each other in real life mm-hmm. i mean i don't care how like think you think of the most attractive person that you can and then imagine having to be around them for hours upon hours where like you're constantly touching them to the point where it's like okay i'm touched out like i don't want right. to touch another person at this point like oh, i want to go I want to go like take a shower and then sit by myself and not be around other people. Uh, but also while you have to touch them constantly, there's about 15 other people in the room watching you do this uh, who are not in any way sort of exposed. And the, you keep having to constantly stop because they have to fix things. One person is constantly telling you how to touch and move your body. Of course, of course, it's not going to look sexy on screen. <laughs> yeah. Although apparently they did clear the room a fair number of times when they were filming the sex scenes, they had some remote controlled cameras. So they had fewer camera operators in the room, but still still, there's going to be people around, (laughs) Yeah, you know, you're being watched. It's also a little odd that the director only directed one of these. They, they, they had like three different directors throughout the trilogy. Cause I was looking her up. I'm not surprised. (laughs) And this director is actually directed what I think is a very good film, uh, Nowhere Boy, which is one of the only like biographical films on a Beatle uh, that's a little fictionalized. Um, it's based on young John Lennon. It's a pretty good movie. And she actually worked with Paul on that movie. And then six years later, she did this. So I guess to kind of wrap things up here, I did a little bit of searching here on the show. And I was right. So at the end of this trilogy, spoilers, I guess, I'm just going to call out some various things. There's people getting shot, car chases. There's like people tracking each other on on cell phones with security teams because there is a kidnapping and someone is asking Gray for $5 million in cash or to kill someone in two hours if the demands are not met. Like this movie becomes that at some point. In the third movie. I'd rather watch that. So they try to turn it from an erotic love story into an erotic thriller. That seems to be what they went for. And and, uh, I mean, my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) My goodness. All righty. So I'm tapped out, guys. Fifty Shades of Grey. The audience did this to us. Again, if you'd like to do it to us. You can vote online. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm because we originally pushed this recording back, and I had watched it the day that we were supposed to talk about it. I'm glad that I had time to recover <laughs> because it does it does drain you. It's just like, oh man, when is so it so long? When is it going to be two over? hours? And then when it's over, it's like I can't get that back. I can't. I can't unwatch. <laughs> this could be a snappy <laughs> seventy minutes. This could be a snappy seventy. Even I can't. I, I just can't. Uh, guys, let's let's wrap up. Reminder, uh, Nicole, one more time. What is next week's new to two? Uh, how does she not know what a butt plug is? Uh, we'll be watching <laughs> With Nail and I next week. At least, like, did... Ugh, Use yeah. context clues. Use context right. Clues. It's right in the name! What are you doing? <laughs> right 
I knew what one was like five years before I ever did anything with anybody. You know? <laughs> well, very good. Check that out next week. Let's go around the table, see where we can find people online. Uh, David, what have you been up to? Oh, God, usual stuff. Hit me one more time is coming out, so find that. Uh, and if you follow me on Twitter at Davlos, it's D-A-V-L-U-Z, you'll find out where you can get it. Very good. And Unicol? I have a Letterboxd account at Letterboxd, uh, Nicole underscore Davis. I have top 10 lists from previous years. I have all of our movie go round things that have been released to date on Letterboxd. So if you want a handy, quick visual reference, you can go over there and look at that. Right on. You can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. You can email the show. Hi at MGRpodcast.com. And you can find all these socials we've talked about. Social.MGRpodcast.com. We will see you next week with new to two. And I guess you guys did this to us. Wait, wait, wait. One last thing. Where does this rank? Is this the worst? It's I don't know if it's the worst you did this to us. No, it's pretty low. No. I mean, it's still emoji movie. I guess high on the, the list. The movie's still worse. Yeah. Dunstan checks in, still worse. Oh, see, this is worse for me than Dunstan checks in. Oh, yeah. Dunstan checks in is like novel, I think. It's been through two, three years. It's got a suicidal dog. No. <laughs> I don't like it. I forgot about the dog. <laughs> All right. So so it's not as bad as Emoji Movie. No, no. but it's it's not a it's bad though. Yeah, it's not far from being another. If we had what about cats, oh, would not recommend. Would not even recommend as like drunk watch with friends. No. Is is it better or worse than cats? Like we at least we have to get these three. We have to get these three like labeled. Ooh. Better. Okay, I think. All right, my my. You did this to us. There's like could see myself watching again. Would likely never watch again. And then like. Buff of God, never make me watch this again. Uh, while this is definitely trending into that never make me watch this again category, I don't think it goes as far in as Cats or Emoji Movie do. Yeah, I mean, as painful as it, as this is to watch for two hours, I don't have to listen to the music of Cats. That's true. That's true. I don't That's have to true. see. Cats, Cats was both boring and painful and bizarre simultaneously whereas this was just mostly boring and painful and sometimes um, it would alternate would between, be those, <laughs> between those things it wasn't all of them at once yeah yeah sometimes you don't get all of it at the same time sometimes it's just boring sometimes it's just like angry making and sometimes it's both but not all the time whereas cats is just always simultaneously boring and painful all righty well it sounds like this is a challenge, I suppose, to whoever's listening who's voted on movies like any of those three. This is probably a challenge to find something worse. But alas, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, we watched it. It's done. You can't vote on it again. We'll see you next week with New to Two. 